That's very important. Having your mission statement, having clearly defined, but then taking that and saying, what one metric can we do to quantify how well we're doing at fulfilling our mission? Success. Eyes that mock our sacred institutions. Bedroom eyes, they call them in a bygone day. Sex desire is the most powerful of human desires. When driven by this desire, men develop keenness of imagination, courage, willpower, persistence, and creative ability unknown to them at other times. So strong and impelling is this desire for sexual contact that men freely run the risk of life and reputation to indulge in. When harnessed and redirected along other lines, this motivating force maintains all of its attributes of keenness of imagination, courage, etc., which may be used as powerful creative forces in literature, art, or in any other profession or calling, including, of course, the accumulation of riches. Napoleon Hill. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedlack, and I am super glad that you're here with us today because I'm here with my amazing guest, Chris. Chris, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So give everybody the 5,000-foot view of who you are and what you love to do. Yeah, so I've been an entrepreneur my whole life, sold two of my own uh, businesses, and I'd say probably the thing, I and I'm a location-independent entrepreneur, so I love traveling the world. Uh, I, I love adventure, snowboarding, skydiving. Those are the things that really, you know, turn me on. Um, I would say though, my, my kind of genius super skill is organization. And whether that comes from managing, I'm also polyamorous. So I have lots of women in my life. So organization is very helpful for managing lots of women at the same time. It's very helpful when I go inside of a business and I see all the different moving parts, you know, having all the experience that I have and I can just know it's like, oh, this needs to go here. This needs to go here. So I, I apply it helps in writing. So organization's my super skill and I apply it in a variety of areas of life. Nice. We are going to absolutely delve into that on so many levels, but let's kind of back up the bus bit. How did you get into organization as a thing? Like, well, how did that become your jam that you decided I, I got to help people? It, well, it, it was just a, I would do, do it as a kid and I would have constructs and I would build things. And then I'd always set up my room in a certain way, like everything was always in its place. So it was just a thing I naturally did. And then it, I would go and just when I was working, you know, doing my own business, I just organized, built systems in my own different companies. You know, I also had this drive, right? So I had my drive to make money. Like I wanted to have the things that I wanted. And so I was like, I got to have my own money because my parents, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. And so that's what drove me to being an entrepreneur. And then just naturally being an entrepreneur, I applied the skill of organization. Very cool. So who do you love to work with? Who's your ideal clients right now? Yeah, um, I, I, th there's, there's really two types of pain points that the clients I work with have. So I'm working with you know, CEOs, founders, uh, um, people that have companies that are typically in the one to 10 million revenue range. And there's two primary pain points. One, they feel stuck because they know they have so much potential. They know they have such a great idea, but for whatever reason, 
they've been stuck at the same revenue range for too long uh, and their growth has stagnated. Uh, the second is a um, leader who feels overwhelmed. Their business is skyrocketing and there's so much going on and that actually you could you could sell yourself into failure if you're not on top of the operational infrastructure. So our, our niche is operational scaling. And and so we help those who are overwhelmed, make sure they're putting the foundation in place at a pace fast enough to keep up with the growth. They don't sabotage their own success. Nice. I love that. So what do you see as some of the problems that people get into when they're at either one of those site phases? And we can look at each one separately and then go in. But when they're um, stagnant and not getting enough, how do you how does organization help them to start getting it? Yeah, yeah. When they're stagnant, not getting it up, it's it's you know the blue pill that we hook them up with. Many times, actually, interesting enough, is self love, right? What? Love is going to help you get it up, right? And and so, um, you know, it could be it could be uh, you're you're having trouble delegating, travel trouble letting go. It could be my um, money issues with money and self worth. Um, sometimes. It, you know, it could be a combination of like actual business knowledge and not knowing who the right person to bring is, yeah. right? Actually, I talk about a, a, a specific client without, you know, saying names. So um, they're 2 million in revenue um, uh, and, and they've been going up and down, stuck at this for like, you know, many years, five years. And so one, we uncovered it was a lack of business knowledge. This person didn't know who to bring in to help operationally them to scale. The other issue there was boundaries. There was a boundaries issue um, personally, and she would keep people on longer than was necessary. And so a lot of times boundary, effective boundaries is from a, or deeply rooted in a lack of love. And so there's a pro there, we use the tool LQ, love quotient, to guide people to more deeply loving themselves. So which has an impact on their bottom line so they can get it up. Um, but you know, so so. Self-love, we use self-love as a tool with LQ, which actually, so we use love to directly impact bottom line results and make more money. Nice. Okay. So now we're going to delve into this because you've been talking about boundaries, love quotients, and polyamory and how it relates to business. My brain went, that is kind of a perfect analogy of how to run different departments. This is awesome. So we can take this kind of anywhere you want to go with it, or give me kind of the top line kind of downward looking at your business, if you were to look at each department as different um, relationships in your life, I'm not saying girlfriends, boyfriends, whatever's that are pertinent to you. If you have them going on and you had to please everybody all the time, so to speak, you need to have those boundaries in place so that you're not overwhelming yourself because I personally believe that's the reason why most people get into monogamous relationships is because they just can't handle the idea of um, figuring out how to please somebody all the time, which is so wrong in so many levels. So you can take whatever you want out of that little rant, <laughs> take it wherever <laughs> so you want to go with that. I am totally I've, I've, that. I've had these thoughts myself, uh, just as I've reflected. Uh, so first, I just want to say, you know, from a business perspective, polyamory, I wouldn't say necessarily has anything to do with, with the, I keep those, are, those are very separate things in my life, but conceptually, theoretically, conceptually, it's an interesting as conversation. A as a metaphor. As a, it's fine. I've never really talked about this. This is fascinating. Um, it's funny. I've had that thought 
as I've, you know, so for me to be polyamorous, I, I had to, like, I went through a very, very deep experience. I was in prison for 19 months and that just blew me open, blew my heart open. Uh, I, I completely surrendered uh, spiritually um, and had my heart broken into a million pieces. And those pieces never reassembled. And th those pieces were my heart walls. And so what that enabled me to do is very deeply love multiple women at the same time and not have it be confusing for me inside. And so um, as I was thinking about like, wow, like, it, it, you know, polyamory in business, like business, well, I have, I love my clients, obviously different ways, um, but I, I have multiple different clients and I'm servicing them each at different times and I'm creating systems and structures to create more value so they can create better results. Um, and I was like, wow, it's a, it's a similar thing that I'm doing in managing multiple different romantic relationships. You know, I got to watch how much time I'm giving. I got to make sure that I'm not talking, uh, you know, not sharing certain things that are confidential from one person to the other. Um, you know, I still got to make each woman feel special in her own unique way. Um, and I was like, wow, there are some very interesting similarities between polyamory and, and just business. Right. And then I was like, well, why do some people who have multiple you know, people, people have multiple clients? Why do they have such an issue against having multiple romantic relationships? And here's the, here's the core thing, the conclusion that at least that I think is that because when your romantic partner is with somebody else, it brings up insecurities about you. Am I not good enough? Am, you know, uh, it, so it's, it's insecurity on a personal level is one of the things I think that keeps people back. And then of course, how do you deal with jealousy and envy and all these other things? You gotta have the right emotional tools to be able to do that. Now, that doesn't happen in business because we're these are two different emotional dynamics that we're talking about. Really, because I had a, when I was younger, I had a manager once who, who always played favorite to her most recent hire to the point that anybody that had been hired before the new hire was like the ex-girlfriend and had to stick around and kind of get the shit and abuse from like, oh, you didn't do your job right. So now I'm bringing in this one. Wow. I think there's a That's high shitty. correlation between okay. how somebody deals in the relationships in the personal world and with their, their management team or their sales team, or they're like, oh, you're performing better than the rest of them. So we're going to kind of shame them and make you okay. the, the star partner for the day. Yeah. Like there are so many aspects that you can get away with in business that you can't get away with in your purse. Well, I guess some people do. Um, mm. I, I see it as a, almost as a direct correlation. If you can't handle your, your intimate partnership at home, you're probably having a shit show at work. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say, you know, I, I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, they say how you do one thing is how you do everything. I don't fully completely. agree. <laughs> Agree. Yeah. Cause like you yeah. can be, you can be tight in one area, right? Like you can, you can, like there's biz people who've been super successful businesses and know and are on top of it in the business realm, but yet they have monogamous relationships and it's more chosen out of fear and pain than um, like really choosing something. Uh, and so I would just, I agree with you that there's definitely similarities, um, but there also can be, you know, those differences. Awesome. That's why I'm bringing them up. We want to know how you think. So take that conversation yeah. anywhere you want to about. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I just, I think the core, um, 
you know, I, I did a lot of personal development growing up in my, my twenties and a lot of mindset stuff. Like most of the personal development world to me is, is in the mind. Let me shift my mind. Let me state change. Let me not think positive, negative thoughts. Let me not get into negative emotions. And I found that to be, you know, it's all of it is to be in control, right? You want to be in control of your thoughts, control of your emotions. You can be in control of your state so that you can stay on your path and create the life of your dreams. Like that's what I was taught from all the personal development I did. And what I realized, and this was mainly one of the big realizations that came to me when I was went through, when was I going through prison was this, these tech, these techniques don't work in prison, right? Like I don't want to state change. Like that might, and so what I realized was I chose to go into the pain. I chose to go into the negative thoughts, but I didn't go in it. I went in it with love. Like love was my tool. I was loving myself along the way. And, and what I realized is how, like they say that control is the master addiction. And I realized how much I was trying to be in control and just how like, and I, and I realized like how really not in control I was, right? And the great, one of the things I realized was the greatest illusion is that you're actually in control. <laughs> like, no, like I, I had no idea. I was had done anything illegal. I had no idea I was going to get picked up off the plane flying in from Puerto Vallarta into Los Angeles, picked up by the Secret Service, and then put into prison, not able to get bail, had to go with a public defender, and like found myself stuck in prison for 19 months. I had no idea that was going to happen. I didn't even know. I didn't even wasn't trying to do anything illegal. And so I realized how out of control, not in control, I really was. Uh, well, I, I ran a company called Success Therapy, and we have a whole process of going into the mind and why you want to kind of get rid of certain conditioning and all that kind of fun, guys. We could have an entire conversation about that, but I want to swing you back into uh, the other side of the gate and talk about when you're working with somebody in business, um, how do well, one, how does this mindset thing play out and how much yeah. is it an ability to be able to, let's talk about boundaries because I think that a well, lot of people have a lot of confusion around what a boundary is. Some people think it's like, I need to be an asshole because you've crossed my boundary. Some people think it's like, hey, you know, this is where this is crossing the line. And if you cross it, then there's going to be consequences. And some people are like, well, you know, people don't need boundaries. They should really be just allowed to flow and be them and all sorts of fun jazz around it. So talk to me about how you work with people and boundaries and how it pertains to work. Well, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll include boundaries as a thread, but where I was headed with all of this yep. was setting up the stage, like the mindset, what traditionally I think most business owners have around this mindset. And then what I really discovered was the answer to solving the majority of problems, one which could be the actual root of why boundaries aren't there, which was, uh, I realized that the trying to be in control was not the answer. And I realized that the more deeply I loved myself, the more deeply I connected with myself, the, the more free I actually felt and became. And that the main reason I would operate and act out in certain ways was because of unloved and unembraced aspects of self. It wasn't that I needed to try to think differently or avoid different things. In fact, my the amount of control that I needed that I was trying to exert 
and not thinking certain things or not doing certain behaviors was actually a reflection of how deep of pain there was underneath the surface, right? So if you, to even kind of frame this up, we all have throughout our child development years and our teenage years, there's parts of ourselves that get wounded, not enough love, you know, shamed, whatever, like all this internal stuff. And then our egos are here, or we need to have a healthy functioning ego to help us navigate and get the things that we want in life. And so the, the, to the degree that our egos are functioning in unhealthy ways is a reflection of how much unloved and unembraced aspects of self. And so tying this psychological framework to business, when we're in business and there's, let's say there's unhealthy boundaries being implemented or there are you know, being expressed, uh, there is um, uh, a lack of transparency, there's um, inappropriate communicate, whatever the dynamic is in business, many times it's not because the owner doesn't know or the person doesn't know the right thing to do, the right way to do it. It's because they don't have access to it. It's because there isn't the space to take the action, which they've known and probably been told many times to do. And so when you come in and, and uh, we, could, we could even do a little exercise on this now sure. if you want. Yeah. All right. So I want... Um, uh, everyone on this call, I want you to think of an area that just a pattern that just keeps playing out in your life. That's creating a lot of frustration. Um, and, and so, um, we're going to focus on a particular emotion. Uh, I'm going to focus on frustration. So like, let's say there is something that you keep doing or a situation that keeps happening, where you are frustrated. One of the first ways to actually break into that is just loving the one who feels frustrated. Because as long as you're staying in a state of frustration, it doesn't give you access to actually get underneath and love the particular parts of self that actually need to be loved to actually stop the pattern. So one of the first places to do is to actually love the one who feels frustration. So very simple thing to do. You just take your, you just close your eyes, take your attention and put it into your heart, into your physical heart space. And you can just repeat after me to the one who feels frustrated. I love you to the one who feels frustrated. I love you. I love you. I'm just giving you a little taste of that, but that's the process of what you could spend minutes. I would, I, I encourage all my clients to spend five minutes a day. And we, there's particular areas that we focus bringing your attention into your heart and loving the part of self that feels a certain way. And that creates massive, massive results because it creates a new space to be, to be able to be present and to be with certain emotions or to be with the root causes that keep causing certain patterns to play out. Absolutely. Nice. So, and again, when we're, when somebody's in business and let's say they have different departments, start with that because these are people that they have to interact with every day. They have a quote unquote committed relationship with them. I'll <laughs> be signed a contract that says, Hey, I will work for you and you will pay me. Um, yes. How in those moments, and obviously there's going to be different frustrations with different people, some frustrations with people that aren't doing enough work. Some people are doing too much work and they're not delegating properly. Like there's different yeah aspects of why that frustration might come up for yeah. them. Um, yeah. How do you recommend dealing with that? Yeah, so there's several different de 
components here. Um, the first one is making sure there's very clear roles and responsibilities. So each person in your organization, make sure you have it written out uh, very clearly what those are, and then make sure that that person clearly understands what their roles and responsibilities are. So that's the, the first component. The second component is making sure that there's very clear metrics and accountabilities for what they're supposed to be doing on a daily basis, right? If it's sales and marketing, that's a little bit more clear in terms of how to determine metrics. If they're in operational roles, depending on the size of your organization, that could be a little bit more difficult to actually quantify. Now, as you start getting in larger organizations, there becomes more clearly quantifiable operational metrics, but typically under 10 million, um, one of the easiest ways to do it is are you you're using a project management system and you're tracking the fulfillment of objectives and metrics are you getting things what percentage of the time are you getting things done on time what percentage of the time are things getting delayed um what percentage of the larger projects are happening there and so sometimes it, there's always a way to put metrics to somebody's roles and responsibilities so we call that rra roles responsibilities accountabilities that's the first thing Second thing is, as a manager, whoever the person, making sure there's very clear who that person's reporting to and make sure there's consistent and ongoing accountability once a week, once a month, whatever is appropriate. Hey, are you doing what you're supposed to do? Looking at the metrics. Is there anything that you need to be supported in your role? Right. So accountability from the from or in, in uh, management from the person that they're reporting to. Then, of course, how the culture is and the mission mission, vision, and values, how all that is clearly defined and how that's been communicated, not only as part of the hiring process, but just as part of the, the culture. All of that makes a difference to how somebody actually ends up performing inside of an organization. And I'm going to give you one thing right now that I have found to be the most powerful in actually creating performance and creating a powerful culture. And that's what I call the mission metric. So most companies have a mission or at least an idea of what that mission should be. Many companies though, especially under 10 million, still haven't fully clearly, it could be of different variations or it's not, everybody doesn't know it. That's very important. Having your mission statement, having clearly defined, but then taking that and saying, what one metric can we do to quantify how well we're doing at fulfilling our mission? And there's an article on my website, wiseprofits.net under the blog section where you can, if you wanna read this article to get the full description, but when you can get one metric to match your mission, then, and then you show how everybody, then you talk to everybody in the organization and say, this is how, what you're doing on a daily basis. And this is how it impacts that mission metric, because whether it's from the bookkeeper to the customer service, to the sales and marketing, to customer fulfillment, you can show and communicate and make sure how everybody understands how what they do, do impacts that one metric. And then this becomes a very powerful way for your entire team to get behind one metric that's different than revenue because revenue is so impersonal, but now they can clearly see a mission metric because a mission has purpose. It's the very reason why they're doing what they're doing. And this becomes a very powerful way to bring cohesion and, and, and team alignment. Nice, I love that. So give us an example of a Cinderella story of one of your clients, where they were at before working with you and because of working with you, where they got. Yeah, so this one client I started working in, in 2017 um, they were doing, uh, uh, you know, right under 1 million in revenue. Um, it, it, it really took nine months, 
um, to get them, you know, there wasn't really a major increase in revenue that year, we started at the beginning of 2017. Um, but in 2018, we doubled revenue. Um, uh, because of our focus is operational scaling, you know, we're putting in infrastructure, we're making changes, we're doing these things that may not directly and immediately impact revenue, but there's a compounding effect. We're setting the stage, we're building the foundation. Not only did we double revenue, we also doubled profitability. They had never even at or really keeping an eye on profitability. And a lot of times, just the very simple fact of looking at uh, a metric like begins to make a difference. It's very interesting how just watching something, talking about it consistently actually makes a difference. It does. The following year, we did it had an 80% increase, doubling of revenue, profitability uh, increased a little bit. And then the following year, we had a 50% increase in revenue and uh, uh, profitability went down a little bit. Um, but we had already doubled and increased. So I was like, oh, you know, we're in, we're in the optimal range for profitability, but revenue continued to increase. Um, and, and so this is a pretty tick. Well, that's one of, that's one of the more we continue to grow. Um, but doubling revenue is a, has been a pretty standard result after, I would say, a minimum of working uh, with, with Wise Profits for six months. And, and then just continuing a, a very consistent pace of growth, not doubling necessarily doubling every year, um, but when somebody's had all this pent up energy and potential, usually doubling and then doubling. And then it can, it can uh, if this of course, if you're not infusing capital, these, these are for um, bootstrapped types of businesses. If you're infusing capital, you absolutely should expect different results. Um, but these are for more bootstrapped, organically funded businesses. Uh, and then typically after, you know, some significant doublings, you know, one, two, maybe even three years in a row, then I would say on average, we're seeing anywhere from 10 to, you know, 40% or 50%, depending on the business of consistent growth from there. But it's very, it's stable, it's paced, it's managed, things are flowing. Of course, there's always problems. There's always problems. Um, but business can, business can feel fun. Business can, I, I love clients who... <laughs> Um, uh, see their spiritual evolution as a function, like they're, they, they're here to evolve spiritually and business is the role that they're playing that out in. Those are my favorite clients because they get the game of evolving as a human being in the function of creating a fuck ton of profit. Nice. I love it. You're preaching to the choir. Keep it up. You're doing awesome. Hey, so normally I would ask you what kind of stumbling blocks that somebody's going through right now that they're going, oh my God, Chris, I need you so badly. Is it necessarily just, hey, the business is either stuck or I'm <laughs> bolts are flying everywhere and I can't make it stop? Or is it I just feel out of control of my company and or is there something else? I think those are three really good, really good spots. Um, if you know, if you're somebody that knows like two, two other things, I want to make sure I'm not making mistakes. I want to make sure I'm not missing anything. I want to make sure that I'm positioning myself for the greatest success. If you're having those thoughts, that's another reason we should talk. Um, and if you're also knowing like, I, I actually don't have the experience to take this business where I know it can go and I want help. So those are two other thoughts that you might be having that uh, we should just have a conversation. Nice. I love that. So I know that people are going to want to hear and get more from you. So how did they begin their journey with you? Yeah. Um, so our websites, it's wiseprofits.net. And you can check that out. There's a contact form on there. Um, 
if you're interested in a mini scaling assessment, it's 10 questions, super quick and easy. And it will also just give you some insight into, you know, is your business really ready to scale? Um, it's wiseprofits.net forward slash scale, S-C-A-L-E. Take that mini assessment and, um, uh, and then we're happy to have a conversation or review it with you and talk about it more if you'd like. Very cool. I love that. So I have to ask you, out, you, and you mentioned it earlier, but at one point in life, did you know that you were that special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? I don't, you know, it was, it was 12. I mean, it was never even a thought, like I was born an entrepreneur. So now what I would say though, there was many times where I doubted myself and questioned myself, can I keep on this path? And that was probably through, I had those doubts probably for 10 years. Can I make this happen? Should I go get a job? Blah, blah, blah. And at a certain point I said, fuck, I'm making it. I've made it this far. I, I could do it because what's so interesting, I think about entrepreneurs who are really entrepreneurs, you just fucking figure it out. You just fucking do it. Like, and, and, and you prove this to yourself when the shit hits the fan and you're like negative in your bank account and you're like, I'm not fucking going back to a job. I'm going to fucking figure this out. And you do like, you just do like, that's the beauty of being an entrepreneur. You just fucking figure it out. And if you know, if you're listening to this as an entrepreneur and you've had that confidence, keep building on that confidence. And if you're somebody who's an entrepreneur and you haven't hit that spot and you've jumped back into the, the cradle, uh, I would say you gotta, you, that's the grit because there's a fucking grit to being an entrepreneur and you can develop it, but it takes balls and it takes risk. And, but if you do like, it just shit happens when you, when you really just say, I'm going to make it happen. Nice. I love that. There is a magic that happens that can't happen any other time other than in that moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Breakdown sure. or whatever you want to call it, but answers will come. Fear not, people. Awesome. So any last words for our peeps? You've been awesome. Yeah, I love it. I love this. I wish I wish I could be on podcasts like this all the time. You know, I, I think I think entrepreneurial, the the, the 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 thing of making money, it's a creative force. Being an entrepreneur is a creative force. And it's the same, like those, like sexual energy is also, it's, that's a creative force too. Spiritual is also a creative force. It's all sexual energy getting expressed in different ways with different boundaries. And I, I would just encourage, I, you know, my purpose as a human being on this planet is to inspire others to follow and pursue their desires so that you can have the life of your wildest dreams in all areas. I want you to have a life where you have an incredibly successful, profitable business as much as you'd like. I want you to have a life where you're spiritually connected and grounded and continually growing because that's a process that, that never ends. And have a sexually rich life where you're fucking as much as you want and you're having as much sex as you want. And I think that's one of the, I think sex and money are the two biggest areas and desires that get chained. And I hate that. And I just want to give you, everyone who's listening to this right now, I want to give you permission to enjoy and embrace your desires and especially your sexual desires and especially your money and wealth desires because those are good and healthy. The desires are good. How you pursue them could be unhealthy. And that's where coming and loving and embracing those unloved aspects of self come into play are so important 
Because if it's you're, you're pursuing those in unhealthy ways, it's only because there's unloved and unembraced aspects of self. And, and so the problem isn't the desire, but that's where the world gets it wrong. They make the desire wrong, not how it's being pursued. And so you can have, I want you to have all that you desire in the healthiest and most conscious ways. And there's your permission. There's your access. Go make it happen. Love it. You are awesome. You, we will definitely have you back on the show. Peeps, if you have questions for Chris, one, go to his website and go and ask him directly. That's, <laughs> if you have pressing questions, go and press up against Chris. He will love you for it. And feel free to let us know and we will have Chris back and we'll go further and deeper into this conversation because I love it. Balls deep. Balls deep. Let's do it. Awesome. This is Michelle. Maybe next time we do the back door. Next time we got to go to the back door. There you go. (laughs) So Michelle Nedelec, I am your mistress in business. Thank you for being here today. Be sure to subscribe to the show and your favorite podcast so that we can help you get it up when you need to. We love having you here. Thank you for listening to the Little Blue Pill for Business podcast with your mistress in business, Michelle Nedelec. Why are you still here? Go to littlebluepillforbusiness.com and get your goodies. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to share it with somebody else that you know would enjoy getting it up in business after you subscribe to the podcast, of course, so you won't miss any future episodes. Now, check the notes for links. Oh, and only tell your wife if she's into this, you know, entrepreneurship. And I'll see you both on the other side.